Are you ready to turn your investments into retirement income? Listen in as Jeremy Kyle and his guests reveal ways you can make smarter retirement, investment, and tax planning decisions to achieve your ideal retirement. You will learn more about your money so you can feel better about your money and make better money decisions. Now, on to the show. Welcome to Retirement Reveal. I'm your host, Jeremy Kyle, and we're here to turn your retirement savings into a consistent income. Today, I'm joined by my producer, Eric Johnson. Eric, how are you doing today? I am doing fantastic, Jeremy. What's going on? Well, uh, I just got back from sunny Florida, and it is not sunny Florida here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin <laughs> right now. But uh, the whole reason I was there is for a retirement planning conference, Investments and Wealth Institute. And it's just amazing the people I met, the research they're doing, the speakers they had. And I think uh, some of the next few episodes, we're just going to talk through uh, a lot of the, the the new information, the great information that I that I found uh, from this retirement planning conference. All right, yeah, sounds like fun. I I, I was down in Florida at the same time. I don't think we were in the same city, uh, but uh, yeah, now I'm back in the frozen tundra as well. So you get it. We need to figure out what kind of conference we can both go to and hang out and learn stuff. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, mine was only two days. I think I was away from the cold for about 51 hours. Oh, geez. Yeah, you need yeah. more time than that. <laughs> well, 51 hours. I didn't. I, I didn't. Uh, uh, have before so it's it's great there you go and speaking of speaking of time we're talking about longevity today because people right. are living longer have you heard that uh yeah yeah I, i've heard that and i've seen that and and, and although it's exciting it's kind of scary too yeah it's interesting so it was really the first speaker her name's laura carsonson she's with the stanford center on longevity and she just went through a whole lot of great information because if you're thinking about retirement it's not um as much when you retire although it is a little bit it's also, when are you done being retired? Like, when are you no longer here? And so that's a, a big, important piece of retirement planning. And uh, she talked about a few things, uh, especially this concept. I hadn't heard this term before, your health span. So it's basically, how long are you healthy in your life? Mm -hmm. And that's an important part. It's not just your lifespan. How long did you actually live? And uh, a few things she shared, and of course, we, we all know this, I think, the life expectancy in the U.S. especially, we'll talk about the U.S. especially, has increased by 30 years in the last 100 years. Like in the year 1900-ish, the average life expectancy for an American was 50. Now it's 80. And what's interesting with some of that, a few just interesting things that happened, is that's 30 extra years. That's kind of 30 years that got tacked on to the end of life. Mm -hmm. It's not like we go to college for an extra 30 years because of that. We don't even work maybe for an extra 30 years. Theoretically, that extra 30 years is kind of sitting around being retired, if that's the the picture that sometimes people have of what reti retirement looks like. She yeah. said that's one of the worst things you can do. Why are we adding this extra 30 years onto the end of our life? Why aren't we trying to spend more of our time kind of in the in the middle of life, perhaps? Yeah, no, I I agree 100%. <laughs> I can't imagine the, the debt that would be racked up if you were in college for 30 more years. Well, that's true, too. Yeah, so maybe, <laughs> maybe that one isn't a best, uh, best idea. Mid yeah. mid twenties, early thirties. Hey, I'll take those extra years then for sure. Yeah, there you go. Well, that's and we'll talk through that. They've got uh, what they call a new map of life. We'll get to that in a second. Hmm. Where the old map of life, or maybe the ones that are currently in our in our minds right now, is you go through education up front at the beginning of your life. Then you've got your family and work life, and then you have retirement. And it's almost like in sequential order. Like, why do you uh, get educated first, then do your work and family stuff next? and then retire uh, after that. Like it's one, then the other, and then the other. Why not combine it and almost do them all sim simultaneously? Like if you could retire and 
have a lot more vacation time when you're 30 and yet work a little bit more when you're 70, that might be a decent trade-off. Mm. And that's a thing that they're going to talk about with this new map of life that we'll, we'll share some links to and, and we'll talk about. But it's, it's, uh, it's fun to think about. It's interesting. What she was talking about is that it's almost like our ancestors, like the people 100 years ago, they gave us a gift. They gave us a gift of 30 extra years. And it was interesting to hear her talk about how they actually gave us that gift. Hmm. It's stuff like purified water, pasteurized food and milk. Like 100 years ago, oh, yeah. there were no refrigerators. Now there's yeah. electricity with refrigerators. And so it's just this interesting situation. Our lives are so different than they were 100, 120 years ago uh, because of those great things that people did 120 years ago. It's like we've been given this gift. What are we going to do about it? And so that's what, that's what we're talking about today is what are we going to do with this extra uh, 30 years of life? Thankfully, it's an extra 30 years of healthy life, which is interesting. Uh, she's done some research that said back in the day, you know, 100 plus years ago, you got sick at the end of your life. And that same thing kind of happens today. And it's typically about three years. So there you go. Something to look forward to. The last three years of your life, on average, are usually your, your sickest. You've got you know health failings, all kinds of uh, problems mm-hmm. uh, that way. And so the, the positive is that while we're living longer, we're actually living longer of good health. The negative is all the research, all the science, all the doctor stuff has increased our, our lifespan, uh, but it hasn't shortened the amount of time that we're sick. So that's, mm. maybe that's the next wave is how do we try to shorten the amount of time that we're, we're sick at the end of our lives. And of course, uh, I don't think I can solve that today at least. Maybe not in this podcast, but it's maybe so, so interesting. I, I've never thought about that concept of, of what our past gifted us with, you know, as far as the extra 30 yeah. years. And the first thing that popped into my head, Jeremy, when you said that was uh, the movie Back to the Future. All right. Yeah. There, there's one of them. I, I think it's number three, What whatever one it was where doc ends up back in the wild west like in the mid 1800s and the one thing he builds inside that giant barn is something to make ice cubes (laughs) ah there you go you know and uh, because i was like oh that's right they didn't really have ice you know you you couldn't make ice you know in in that Mm -hmm. time and you're talking about pasteurizing you're talking about these other things i'm like oh I would not have survived. And then the ice that came out of that machine was all yellow. So it's just gross. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Never thought of it that way. Yeah. Well, it's interesting too, because especially that's a, maybe a criticism I had. I, I sent in the comment afterwards because they asked for uh, comments and stuff. She spent a lot of time talking about your life expectancy at your birth. And that's, mm. that's great. Uh, and that's what's interesting. You read a lot of that in the newspapers. Average life expectancy is 78 years or 80 years, whatever it is. They're talking about a kid born today the projection is that they might live to 80. That's the, the projection. That's your life expectancy. Mm. Well, if you're talking to somebody who's about to retire and they're 60 or 65, that that's a whole new problem. Like I think that's maybe the problem sometimes people have when they're making decisions on their pension and social security as they go read the paper saying the average life expectancy is 80 and here they are 65 and they think that, okay, I'm gonna live for 15 years. I better make some decisions on those 15 years when in reality, it's not your life expectancy from 65 years ago. Like you're a survivor, you made yeah. it. Your life expectancy today is longer. Uh, a, a phrase I've heard is the longer you live, the longer you live. Because if you survived, <laughs> you know, you're, you're on the, yeah. the plus side of those, those averages. And those plus side of those averages can keep on, keep on rolling. And what's interesting too, thankfully, a lot of people hit retirement 62, 65-ish, and there's two of you. And a lot of your decisions are going to affect when there's down to one of you. 
when it's that survivor spouse that's going to be there. And interesting enough, it's pretty close. So whether you retire at 62 or 65, on average, your joint life expectancy, like when's the second one of you gone, that's about 30 years. Like that's into 90, 92, 95 on average. And so you can't make these decisions going into your retirement based on what you read in the newspaper about a baby born a day. Like you're a survivor. Like you've yeah. beat out 20 or 25% of the people that didn't make it to your age. Your life expectancy today is more like 25, 30, 35 years. And so we very much encourage people to understand what's your life expectancy from now going forward? What's your joint life expectancy? How long might either one of you be around? And hey, get a personalized number because who cares what the averages are? You're probably not average. You know, that's, uh, yeah. you might have different health up or down. Uh, you may have been a smoker, or not a smoker. Uh, you might have different ages. It's not like every 62 year old uh, male has a 61 year old female hanging out and their joint life expectancy together. You might have completely different ages, completely yeah. different you know genders going on. Uh, you, there's things you gotta figure out on there. And we're gonna put a link to that, but that's one of the first things we do with clients when we're helping them plan out their life expectancy or plan out their retirement is actually talk about their personal life expectancy. It takes like five minutes. Go to longevityillustrator.org. We'll put a link to it, but you'll be able to plug in you know, uh, age, gender, health, have you smoked? And then it'll show you what your average life expectancy is, your joint life expectancy, how long might either one of you be around? But then also too, like, that's just an average. What if you go past the yeah. averages? What might that look like? Well, we've discussed this before that you don't you don't put much stock necessarily into just these, these random numbers because as you alluded to at the beginning, we're thanking our, our ancestors for increasing our life. I, as an example, I'm 47. I think you're a little bit younger than I am. Who knows what kind of technological advances and medical advances we're going to make in the next 20, 30, 40 years. I mean, I think life expectancy is going to be a little bit longer than most people think, or these, mm -hmm. you know, the, the people that are calculating these things, just because they don't know what diseases we're going to cure, what you know, what cancers are going to be cured, or when they're going to be cured. I mean, there's all sorts of unknowns in there, and I think it's better to plan, like you've said before, mm -hmm. plan for longer, <laughs> just in case. Yeah, huh. you get it. Well, I hear that all the time, and uh, we'll we'll pick on us guys a little bit. There's two guys here talking on the on the show. I talked to a lot of uh, sixty year old guys. And they feel like they're dying like tomorrow. Oh. Like for some reason, you know, maybe not tomorrow's a little drastic, but you talk to a 60 year old guy and it seems like they think they're dying as soon as possible. And yet their wife is living as long as possible. And when you dig into it, what is the, what is the thought process behind it? And it's a lot of times, oh, my, you know, my dad died at uh, 72 and my grandpa died at, at 65 and here I'm at 60. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, let's talk through that you have 25 more years of medical advances on your dad. Uh, and your grandpa fought in World War II or Korea, and they uh, ended up smoking, getting exposed to all kinds of bad stuff, and eating a whole lot more hamburgers every day than you do, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and you have 50 years of medical advances on grandpa. Does any of that relate to you right now? Oh, no, I, uh, you know, I'm eating healthy, I don't smoke, you know, I don't drink as much as grandpa did. Like, there are so many things there yeah. that yeah. are pushing you forward uh, and you just can't rely on, okay, the men in my family have always done this. Well, the men of your family have never lived today besides you. And so you've got to look at what kind of is happening today. It's not like uh, your, it's not even your genes. A lot of people think, you know, here's the genes of my family. Here's what 
my, my family tree is showing, it might not be the family tree. A lot of times it might just be the, the cultural lifestyle from 25 or 50 years ago or beyond. So keep, keep that in mind. Yeah, absolutely. Good. Well, we're going to talk about this, the, the new map of life. And it's interesting. We've got uh, links to the Stanford Longevity Center. We've got links to the, the new map of life that they're putting out there. And they have a lot of uh, interesting information. And they actually kind of show you almost an order of how they went about thinking about these things. And so we'll, we'll go through that, kind of a, a beginning, middle, and end part of it. Because what they've done is they pulled together a lot of the leading researchers on longevity, aging, health, all kinds of things on there. And to begin with, when they thought, this is relatively new, actually, about three or four years ago, they started looking at this and having people uh, come together and talk through and say, what should we do differently? But I like what they uh, they put this together. They put it in a, where it spells out new map. That's great. So they got six principles to guide long-lived societies, right? We're in the USA. Uh, our life expectancy is different than other societies. Uh, other societies, culturally, economically, their life expectancy is maybe closer to where the U.S. was 100 plus years ago. Mm-hmm. And so they have different issues. So this is the issue that we're facing in the U.S. And what they talked about is with the, the end, there's new roles and opportunities that need to be created so people can have purpose, belonging, and worth at all stages of life. Mm-hmm. There's kind of just thought like, hey, you're raising a family, you're, you have a career, you're worth something. You stop doing that, your, your worth is out the window. And that's obviously not true. But a lot of people have that mindset. And so they're, they're going into this saying, let's figure out ways to create more purpose and belonging worth for people at all stages of life. The E is education is a lifelong pursuit. And that goes against what a lot of people maybe thought. It's like, hey, I got educated 40 years ago. I went to college. I'm done with that. And what's really interesting too is people ask, hey, how can you live a long life? Or what's the, the likelihood of living a long life? And the, the researcher, Laura Carsonson, she said, education is by far the number one predictor of a long life. You know, whether you graduate from high school or college or went to some college or went and got your master's degree and beyond, the more education, the longer you live. Hmm. And that, that talks about something we'll, we'll mention in a second is that if you're trying to live a longer life, you know, you get to 70, a lot of the things have maybe already been decided for you. You're 15, 20, 25, and your choices on how much education you pursue are going to affect you for the rest of your life, including how long you live. So that's, that's interesting. Hmm. The W is working. Working longer will occur in what they call multi-generational context. So that's interesting. You, you kind of think like on average, you're 25 to 65 and you're working. And it's almost like just two generations. Like you're, you're just starting out a family or maybe your kids are just starting out family, like your, your new parents or your new grandparents. That's kind of like the, the two generations of working. And what they're talking about is if we expand out how long people work, there might be three, maybe four generations in the workplace. So if you're somebody that's thinking, how do I get more workers? Like right now, it seems like no one's working and everyone's trying to hire people. And you have this mindset that you have to be in a certain age category. Like that's just your normal working lifespan. No, they're talking about expanding out how long people might, might work. And of course it might be a, you know, different when, when 75 year olds are hanging out with 25 year olds at the, at the workplace. And mm-hmm. that's a uh, positive uh, overall. So it's a uh, working longer. Actually, we'll talk about it later on working longer actually gives you better health, gives you better brain power. So it's, it's an interesting, we'll talk about that in just a, a little bit uh, there too. 
it's Jeremy Kyle here, and I know you're listening to the Retirement Reveal Podcast because you want to learn more about making great retirement decisions. I've created a free video course for you to do just that. Head over to 5stepretirementplan.com and sign up to receive this video training right in your email inbox. We broke down our 5-step retirement plan into bite-sized videos so you can get started on the retirement, investment, and tax planning you need to create a consistent retirement income. Go to 5stepretirementplan.com. Use the number or spell it out. You'll get there either way. 5stepretirementplan.com. Thanks for listening. And now for the rest of the show. The M is for money. Like, hey, if you're living longer and you're not working for those last 30 years, you might be worried about money. Money's a big, a big deal. And mm-hmm. so there needs, if we're living longer, we need to focus on the money aspect of how do you save up your money before you hit what's generally retirement. Or maybe if you are retired, how do you get some money in uh, that's not related to just your investments? Maybe you're, you're still working somehow at the beginning of retirement. The A is for advances in the science of aging. A lot of times what they found, if this, if this prediction is that the more educated you are, the longer you live, well, that's kind of saying like all these advances in science, all these advances in how you live longer are being sent towards the people with the higher level of education. Like how do we as a society help the people live longer, live healthier if they didn't have that higher level of education? It's kind of a, you kind of hear sometimes like the richer getting richer and the poor getting poorer. Mm -hmm. It seems to be that exact way in terms of how long you live except the, the rich and poor are more based on, you know, not necessarily money exactly, but what your education is. Hmm. And then uh, the P to finish it up for the six principles to, to guide long-lived societies. How do you go about in a society that has longer lives and kind of um, what a history's done for you is the P is physical health. Physical health and the prevention of disease is critical to achieving the promise of longevity, right? Who wants to live longer and just be sick, not for the three years we talked about, but the entire 30 years, right? Yeah. How do we prevent disease? How do we have uh, extra physical health? And actually, so a lot of people asked her that. They said, well, what what can we do, right? If a lot of these things have almost been decided for us, like I didn't decide to create electricity and refrigeration, like these things happened a long time ago and we're benefiting from it. What can I do specifically? And the, the, the speaker said, stop playing brain games. People, she gives a talk, about uh, longevity and, and, and being healthy and having a, a sound mind. And everyone kind of raises their hand and asks, say, okay, should I play Sudoku or should I do crossword puzzles? Like, which one is it? And the, the answer is just get up and move. Like she said, stop playing brain games. That means you're sitting down in your recliner. Mm-hmm. Like, just get up and move. Have some level of exercise. Have some level of, of movement and purpose. You know, schedule a time that you're going to going out of your house to, to do things, whatever it might be, volunteering or or getting together with friends like that movement that exercise that is the number one thing you can do as like a 65 year old 70 year old saying how do i make sure i have a longer life and a healthier life exercise and movement is like the number one thing so hands down there's almost nothing else exists like that's it exercise and move go out and do it yeah well i've heard the statement i think you've heard it too that sitting is the new smoking right i mean it's it's it's, it's, people are sitting too much whether it's office work whether it's whatever Mm -hmm. you need to really be disciplined to schedule time to get up and move, especially if you're working at a desk job. But in retirement, you say I would I would assume the same thing. You you probably should set an alarm. You know, if you're my, mm-hmm. like my father in law loves to watch sports, which is great, but he also knows 
There's only so long that he can sit there. So then he gets up, goes out to the kitchen. You know, he'll he'll set something up to cook for a while. He's going to go out and he's going to do some stuff in the backyard. And he's going to come back in. And of course, during that time, he turns his TV up to full volume so he can still hear it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but he's not sitting there watching it. So. Mm-hmm. So if he's a if he's a sports guy, is he the the kind of guy that watches TV on mute but listens to the radio version of it? Nope. TV really high volume. There you go. I, 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 I like the guys that do it. I love it where it's like, okay, I'm listening to the radio, but I'm watching on TV. Like I like the, yeah. uh, the radio announcers more than the TV announcers. Yep. That's, that's the, that's the fun way to, to watch baseball, especially. Yeah. And I've, I've seen that at the stadium too, right? Everybody's yeah, got the right. little You're, radio holding up to their ears. Yep. They're listening to the broadcast that they're watching. <laughs> yeah. That's fun. Oh, I love it. Good. Well, uh, we're going to finish up here with talking about the longevity approach. Like, okay, if we're going to live longer or preparing kind of society to live longer, what should we do? Should we focus on helping 65-year-olds be healthier? Like, what, what should we do here? And, of course, you know, the right answer is you, you help everybody along the way. But what's so interesting is they, they talked about these things that happen early in life that predict what happens later on in life. Like, she gave an example. Your birth weight predicts whether you'll have heart disease in old, old age. So, really? Yeah. So maybe having the proper birth weight, like making sure that um, – you have good prenatal care and that the, the pregnant moms have the right level of nutrition, like that's going to help out the kid 75 years from now, hmm. right? Education predicts what they call functional health, which is kind of saying, uh, it's an interesting stat. She said 85-year-olds, half of 85-year-olds feel like they're healthy enough to work. So you don't, you don't uh, think of an 85-year-old working and, you know, hopefully you're working because you want to at that age, but... It's interesting that your education predicts whether you'll be healthy or not. Like your whether you went to school when you're 20 or 25 predicts mm-hmm. whether you'll be healthy later on at 85. It predicts whether you might have dementia later on at 85. So just interesting, these things that set you up today for later on in life. And here's things you can do right now. Like you're 50, you're 55, you're 65. You're thinking of when do I retire? Working longer gives you better health and better mental capacity. That's that's something that's proven time and time again. That's a, a big predictor. And they said it's a better predictor for the people that have relatively little education. So it's interesting. You, you think we're going to stereotype a little bit, but let's just say somebody went and got their master's degree and they have a consulting job and they uh, work until they're 65 or 70 or 75. Whether they work until they're 60 or 75, you know, maybe doesn't matter terribly too much. But let's think of somebody that finished high school and stopped and then they worked until they're 55 or they kept on working until they're 60 or 65. For those folks, the extra working is extra helpful, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's having that ability to have a purpose longer, to, to work longer is, is going to be a bigger help towards, towards your own health and your mental capacity. Yeah. And so that's a, that's a big thing of sometimes people say, oh, I'm going to retire at 62 just because it's Medicare. I'm sorry, just because it's Social Security age. I'm going to retire at 65 just because it's because of Medicare age. Uh, I My wife's an elementary school counselor, so she hangs out with a bunch of teachers. And in Wisconsin, 55 is a common age that you can retire, although usually 57 is a better age uh, to retire, you know, for the pension. We'll talk about that in, another time. But you have a lot of these triggers for when you retire are kind of based on outside factors. Like my retirement system says I can retire at 55, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or Social Security says I can take it at 62. Think about when you want to retire based on kind of what's going to give you the best 
best sense of retirement, best sense of, of purpose. And when you're, when you're 55, what are you going to do the next uh, 35 years? And working longer, maybe till 60 or 65, because you enjoy it, hopefully, or maybe even working part-time, just having something uh, to do is a, is a huge help towards your income, towards your health, towards your mental uh, capacity. I mean, that's, that's huge. Retire kind of when you want to, not when your, your pension system or your you know, society is kind of telling you when to retire. Yeah. Good. Well, we'll finish up. They gave us uh, six maxims, kind of things that we want to keep in mind about retirement and aging. Um, again, amazing stuff and things we ought to be thinking of. It's not just a matter of the day I retire. It's also a matter of when, might my, when may my retirement be done. And hopefully, let's let this 30, 35 years, however long it might be, be a great time. And knowing that this is coming up ahead, when you're 25 and 35 and, and 50, you may want to make some decisions at that point, knowing that you'll have on average 30 years extra compared to you, you know, your great grandparents. Mm-hmm. And so here's what they, they, they said in general, kind of for society and for individuals. And I think they went out with a, a kind of society first, but they said age diversity is a net positive for society. You and I were just talking before we recorded of how uh, you're watching a Star Trek show and at the age of 65, the, the alien society gets, gets rid of the 65 year olds. They're mm-hmm. like, okay, you're not, you're not worthy after that age. And uh, I think sometimes too, maybe younger folks kind of almost feel that way about older folks. Like, oh, what, what can you tell me you know, about life, mm-hmm. right? And all the studies show like having multiple generations together in your community, in your workplace is a net positive for society. Like it's helpful for the young people to hear from the older people. It's invigorating for the older folks to hear from the younger folks. Age diversity is a, is a net positive uh, for society. Then what uh, she points out is investing in future 100-year-olds holds big returns. All right, you think of, let's not wait till we're 80 and then try to come up with a uh, medical procedure that gets you till you're 81. Like there's a lot of things you can do for the people before they're born, right? Prenatal health is a huge help towards the baby, which is a huge help towards when they're later on in life. Yeah. Investing in education to five-year-olds and 15-year-olds and 25-year-olds is a huge help for people later on in life. And so if we're just thinking of this aging as a, as a problem or something that needs to be solved, you can't focus on kind of the end of life. You have to focus on the beginning of life as well. One of the things I like the most that they, they talked about is the metric of success is aligning your health span in your lifespan. And it's saying, okay, if we're going to have a long life, let's have a long, healthy life as well, too. I think that was one of the greatest things they, they talked about is a lot of people are afraid of that. They're afraid of, okay, I'll get to a certain age and I'll just be sitting around not able to do anything. And there's things you can do when you're, you're younger by taking care of your health and getting your education, maybe even working longer. That will predict that are predicting that you'll have a, a longer health span, not just your longer life as well, too. And a couple more things they said is learning must occur throughout life. Like you're not done learning when you're 25 and learning more throughout life helps you out for so many ways. Uh, Helps your mental capacity, helps your lifespan, helps your health span even. And another one they says life transitions are a feature, not a bug. Like it's not a, it's not a problem that we retire. Like that's a, that's a feature of life. It's a new feature. Like people didn't necessarily retire a hundred years ago. But it's a it's a feature like that's part of life. Uh, let's let's plan for it. 
And I'll finish up. I'll say this is my favorite one. It's a great reminder, a great suggestion. She was very big on this one. Uh, Dr. Carson was very big on this one that when you're approaching how you go about this new map of life, I think this might be kind of the, the one thing of here's what you ought to do and how you ought, ought to approach life is you ought to work more years, but work fewer hours in the day and work fewer days in the week. Like her encouragement was don't feel like you have to retire at 55 or 60. You can work longer. Don't feel like you have to work 50 hours a week, work 40 hours a week. Uh, Don't feel like you have to work five or six days a week, work four days a week. And when you have vacation days, go out and take them. And you know what? If you take an extra week of vacation every year, 25 to 65, that's 40 weeks. That just means you work one extra year, like not even one extra year. Like instead of working until you're 65 and retiring, take one extra week of vacation every year and then go work nine months later when you're 66. That's probably a good trade-off. That's, yeah. That was a big encouragement from her. Huh. I, I like the way that, that sounds. I mean, it's it's a, a reverse way of looking at it and that would pay off huge. I mean, now. Yeah. I mean, it pays off now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, you know, exactly it pays it. off later because yeah. you, if you're more active and you continue to work, then you know your longevity increases. So, yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thanks, Eric, for joining me on the show. I always love having you on, talking through things about it. And I'm just so glad that we're able to go to these retirement forums, learn from the experts that are on the, the leading edge of what's going on out there. And this concept, this new map of life from the Stanford Center on Longevity, that was a, a great presentation. So glad I got to, to share that with everybody. Well, thanks for including me. This was fun. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and thank you for listening to the Retirement Reveal podcast. We believe if you know more about your money, You will feel better about your money and you will make better money decisions. Thank you for listening to the Retirement Revealed podcast. Click on the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit retirement-revealed.com to learn more. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Kyle Financial Partners. Kyle Financial Partners does not provide legal, accounting, or tax advice. Consult your attorney or tax professional. Representatives have general knowledge of the Social Security tenants. For complete details on your situation, contact the Social Security Administration. Kyle Financial Partners is a part of the Thrivent Advisor Network, a registered investment advisor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.